Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. So God's good, amen? 2 Timothy 3, continue in the truth. Hallelujah. Verse 13, Paul is writing to Timothy, who was a pastor, and he says to him, notice, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. And notice two things, deceiving and being deceived. So when it says worse and worse, that phrase in the Greek means they'll go from bad to worse. And deceiving and being deceived, both those words mean the same thing, to lead astray uh, and leading others astray. So it says, notice what he says. He says that what's going to happen is that evil people are going to go from bad to worse and that they're going to lead people astray, and they're going to be led astray. Is that right? So we see some of that today. But that's not the focus. That is something that Paul is saying, this is a given, this is what's going to happen. It's just like Matthew 24. Jesus didn't didn't write or declare Matthew 24 for any other reason than information. This is what's going to happen. In the days before the physical second return of Jesus, this is what's going to happen. Don't be deceived. This is what's going to happen. So Paul writes Timothy here and says, this is just a given. This is what's going to happen. Because there's going to be evil men, and they're going to go from bad to worse. We've seen that. They're going to be led astray, and they're going to lead others astray. Then he says this, notice. Verse 14. But, I like that word. So he says, that's what's going to happen, but you, Timothy, you faith builders, continue in the things that you have learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom you've learned them, and that from a child you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So Paul says that the key to victory is to continue in the things that we've learned. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get distracted. Everything that's going on in the world, that's going to go on in the world. That's a given. That's what's going to happen. But he says, here's your job. Stay in what you have learned. Amen. Being distracted is the opposite of continuing. All right, because continue, it means to remain or to stay. I like this definition, to be present. To be present. I've told people over the years, wherever you are, be all there. Wherever you're at, be all there. If God tells you to do something or or be somewhere, be there. Don't allow yourself to be distracted away from what you know to be the truth. Amen. Because the enemy will try to distract you with something, and it's this, things you can't change. Amen. 
I've talked to Christians that are basically almost biting their nails. Well, what are we going to do? And what if? And what if? Listen, there's things you can't change. You've, you've got to stay with what you know. Yeah, but how can the world think that way? Here's a real easy answer to that. They're the world. They are spiritually dead. They don't have the life of Christ on the inside of them. That's how they can think that way. That's why you don't think that way. You're not the world. You're in it, but you're not of it. They're going to continue in what they do, but we're going to continue in what we know to be the truth. Amen. Do you see that? The the way that you're not distracted is two things. You keep your focus on what God said, and you don't give your attention to what the world's saying. Amen. That doesn't mean you're not informed. You can be informed and yet it doesn't have your attention. What did God say? Because there's things I can't control in the natural, but what I can control is where I choose to remain. I can control what I choose to think on. I can control how my life goes. Amen. What we have to be focused on is what has God said those these things are the business that we're supposed to be occupied with look look at the book of Luke chapter 2 and we're going to look a lot at the way Jesus responded to some things Because I'll be very honest with you, this whole year's been a year of heavy lifting for me. I realized from the beginning, and I'm just saying this, the Lord helped me see from the very beginning that the church had to get in shoulder the load this year. Amen. And, and uh, uh, so being occupied with what He has been saying has been something we've, we've tried to keep our focus on. And so Luke 2.49, notice what he says. This is, of course, when they had went to Jerusalem for Passover. And uh, after three days, or a day, excuse me, they didn't find Jesus in their relatives anywhere. So Mary and Joseph went back to Jerusalem. And you know, they found him in the temple. And notice verse 48, when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said, son, why have you dealt with us this way? Behold, your father and I have sought you sorrowing. And he said unto them, how is it that you sought me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? The Amplified Bible says, did you not know and see that it is necessary as a duty for me to be in my father's house and occupied about my father's business. One translation says that I must be in his house and consumed with him. Notice the phrase that I have to be about my father's business, occupied with his business. Jesus' focus, even at 12 years old, was unshakable about what was important. The business the Father had sent him on. Amen. What God considered important. 
So our focus should be what ha- on, on the Father's business. What has He said? What has He declared? That's what He considers His business. What God has spoken to you about and spoken to you to do, that's what He considers His business for your life. That's your focus. It can be something as simple as, well, God told me to come to this church. Then your focus is to stay where God put you and determine how can I do what God asked me to do here. And to what? To reject anything that will move you away from that focus. Hallelujah. You know, when you got married, all the girls I've loved before quit being your ringtone. Right? Because that, 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 that doesn't cut it anymore. I got one I'm focused on. And how many married men say yes, and it takes all my focus, right? But the point, the, <laughs> the point is, he said this is what's important. What has he said? That needs to be a question that you ask yourself consistently. What has God said? Because anything will come in and people will say this and people will say that. Your go-to response is, what has God told me? Amen. What did God say? When we get our focus off what the Father considers important, we've become distracted. We've become distracted. Moves of God are lost by distracted people. They're lost by distracted people. I've told you the story over and over again about uh, my pastor telling me the story about the the meeting that he had with all these ministers and Oral Roberts when they were starting this organization. And he would get to this certain point telling me about Frida Lindsay saying that the, the days in the days of the voice of healing that God was moving and the anointing was strong and the Spirit of God was moving. And she made this statement before television came. And she said, because before television, the ministers were fasting and praying over their lunch, and God was moving. After television showed up, instead of fasting and praying, they were watching the wrestling matches. That's what she said. And I heard that story probably three or four times before the Lord ministered to me what He wanted me to see from that. And He made the statement to me, don't get caught watching the wrestling matches. And then He took me and and showed me all these different, things, the distractions that it produces. And that's what I wrote in my notes. Don't get caught watching the wrestling matches. There are things that are not important. There are things in your life that don't amount, as my father would have said, to a hill of beans. There are things that don't matter and you can't afford to get distracted by looking at those and miss what God's trying to do in your life. Amen. Because what God wants to bring and God wants to do and God wants to produce is always not obvious to people because they're distracted. The most obvious thing in your life is the thing that you're the most focused on. And if the most obvious thing is what's going on in the world or the problems that I may be having, then that means that the focus is not on what God said. When Jesus was in the boat with the disciples, He did not sleep through that storm because He was Jesus. He slept through that storm because His focus was on something else. 
Amen. And, and notice what happened when they finally woke him up. You know, to me, I'm thinking, why didn't they, why'd they wait so long to wake him up? But anyway, they finally woke him up, and he woke up and calmed the wind and told the sea to die down. Then what did he say? Why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? How is it you have no faith? Why did they have no faith? Their focus was on something else. They had been distracted by the wind and the waves. It may have been a, been a valid distraction. The Greek says that that boat was swamped, that it was about to sink. There's not supposed to be water in a boat. If you're out on, on the lake, there's not supposed to be water in your boat. Boats are not meant to hold water. Right? So there's a problem going on here. They're in the middle of a storm. And Jesus said, here's the problem. You're focused on the wrong thing. You should have been focused on what I said, which was let us go to the other side. Peter, you should have stood on the bow of this boat and said, we're going to the other side. If God's got to turn this thing into a submarine, we're going to the other side. And I'm keeping my focus on what he said and not on what I see. What has God said? Because that's what God will do. There's never a caveat in what God says. This is what I want you to do and you'll never face any pressure and there'll never be any trouble and there'll never be any issues. No, I'm telling you, when you step out and you begin to do what God said, what comes with it very often are issues that you can't overcome on your own, but it's designed that if you will keep your focus on what He said, He'll bring you out. Faith, faith is a product of focus. If, if you're not focused, faith won't be working. Because faith requires focus. It requires focus to receive it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that word, that, that phrase in the Greek is a continual, a continual sense. By hearing and 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 hearing. It's never ending. That requires focus. What a lot of people do is they'll focus on the Word of God and they'll build their faith to an extent till they get the thing that they're believing for and then they back off. And then when another problem comes, they've got to build their faith again. And it seems like to take a long time. Here's what you've got to do. If you're consistently feeding your faith, then the Word is consistently your focus and faith is consistently coming. Never stop the intake of the Word and you'll never be devoid of faith. Amen. Am I helping you? So don't get caught watching the wrestling matches. Don't get caught watching the economy. Don't get caught worrying about who's going to be president. You vote righteous voting and you put the care of that over onto God. But it matters. Well, of course it matters. But I want you to understand something. Ever who's in power, I know who's in power in my kingdom, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to do what He told me to do where that natural thing is concerned. But at the end of the day, the president doesn't govern my life. Jesus governs my life. Amen. 
And you got to keep your focus on that. You do what you know you're supposed to do. Amen. Hallelujah. There's some things the Lord said to people that have went on to their reward. For instance, the Lord told Oral Roberts, you take my healing power to your generation. That's what he told him. You take my healing power to your generation. And he did. That's what he stayed focused on. His ministry was consistently focused on taking God's healing power to his generation. And when his generation was gone, Oral went to heaven. Amen. The Lord told Lester Summerall, you show my strength to your generation. And that's what he did. Man was a tank for Jesus. Are you following me? You show my strength to your generation. That's what they focused on. But Dr. Summerall also said this. He said, Lord, don't do anything on the earth what time I'm here that I'm not right in the middle of it. I want to be right in the middle of what you're doing. I want to be in the middle of what you're doing. If you will fail to be so concerned about what you're going to do and focused on what he's doing, he'll prosper what you're supposed to do. Amen. I've talked to Christians. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What do you mean? What are we going to do? We're going to believe God. Amen. We're going to act like the word's true. Shout out loud. Say, I'm going to act like the word's true. Amen. Brother Hagin, one time, he was trying to get in his house, and he had, he had Ken Jr. in one arm and Miss Pat in the other arm, and he's fumbling with the keys trying to unlock the door, and, and a lot of things were going on, and Miss Aretha was standing there by him, and she said, Kenneth, I just believe that if me and both these kids just dropped dead right now, you wouldn't worry a bit. He said, well, no, you'd be dead. What you said be to worrying then? <laughs> now, he wasn't being cold or heartless. But he was saying, no, there's, there's no need to worry about it. Things that happen, happen. What are you focused on? Do you see that? Ooh, boy, I'm glad I looked at my watch because that clock is still on summertime. And I thought, I have earned lunch for everybody. Actually, I thought, she sure preached a long time. I have the correct time, though. <laughs> Amen. He told Brother Hagin, go teach my people faith. And that's what he did. Now, I'm sharing this for a reason. What God asked them to do was the Father's business to them. The Father's business to them. What God has said to us is His business for us. What? What God has said is coming is His business for us to focus on, to prepare for the harvest, the babies, the victory, the thing that He said is coming. That's what He wants us focused on. Amen. Because you hear me, what the world wants to paint, especially people in power that want power, they want to paint in people's, in people's mindset that everything they're dealing with will never end. It will. It will end. It's not the only time we'll face it. But this one will end. Why? Number one, Matthew 24 says life will get back to normal. But Jesus said there'll be wars. Wars. 
rumors of wars, right? Plagues. So, so it's not the last one we're going to face. But we face it the same way. We continue in the truth. Amen. Look at John chapter 4. Am I helping you this morning? John chapter 4. When Jesus was here at the well in Samaria, He was speaking with this dear woman. And the disciples came to Him and brought Him some food. And verse 34, Jesus said, My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. The Woos Bible says, My food is doing the will of Him that sent me and to carry His work to completion. To carry it to completion. So he said two things. He said his nourishment, his satisfaction came from number one, doing the will of the Father who sent him. Doing the will of the Father that sent me. And secondly, carrying that work or that business to completion. To finish it. So he did not just start, want to start the work. His desire was to carry it to completion. That's continuing. That's staying with what God told you to do. Amen. If you get sidetracked by what everybody else is doing, you're not focused on what God told you. Right? That's important. And, and, and that's why you always, I, I heard a minister say something years ago that, that before I was ever pastoring. And he said, if you're not moving forward, go back and see if you've done the last thing God told you to do. Right? Because God can't move you into something else if I have unfinished business here. Amen. 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 Do, do, do you see that? And so it's taking everything God tells me and taking it to completion. Finishing that. Hallelujah. And that's why you've got to be very careful about when you use that phrase, God said. God told me. The Lord said. Especially if you're talking to me because that means something to me. You said God said. I'm not one of those preachers that uses that as a, as a pry bar. Well, you know, I want you to do this so the Lord told me. That's lying. That's called lying. If the Lord told you, He told you. If He didn't, He didn't. But think about that. When people come and say, well, brother, sister, the Lord told me to do this. Okay, now you said the Lord said. So that means if I believe that to be true then I'm looking for you to finish that. And let me say something else. God doesn't change His mind about a lot of those things. Now, we read through the Old Testament, He changed His mind about judgment. Thank God. But you know, if God tells you to do something, He generally doesn't change His mind. Well, He quit talking to me about it. Is that because you didn't do it? Because the work's going to get done. Right? It's going to get done. Hallelujah. 
And, and, and you've, heard, you've heard the stories. You, you've heard the story of, of, of my pastor, that the Lord said to him that he was, he was like seventh down the line of people that God asked to do what he did. You see the magnitude of the ministry that he built with God's help. And God said you were seventh. Amen. So God had asked six other people to do it. And they didn't get it done. I'm glad one did. Aren't you? There are people in here you're saved today because he did. Amen. On Monday night, on a Monday night years ago, over 20 years ago now, I was praying on a Monday night prayer meeting at the church in DeSoto in the Kansas location. I was praying up under the piano. And the Lord said to me, he said, you weren't my first choice for this. You were third. At first, that bothered me. But it was, he wasn't ranking me in order of importance. He's saying the first two wouldn't do what I asked. And then he asked me, he said, now, will you do it or do I have to get somebody else? I said, I'll do it. And that, that has been the driving force. We always go back. To that day in that little dinky apartment when we had nothing and God said the vision for your life is to build people's faith and frame their world by the word of God. That's what you're supposed to be doing. And so as long as there's a faith builder's church, that's what we'll be doing because until the trumpet sounds and the rapture occurs, our job's not finished. You've got to continue in the truth. Amen. Notice John chapter 5, verse 19. And, and I might as well say this. You know, God doesn't bring people places and then snatch them up and send them somewhere else. Amen. Hallelujah. It, it's, it, I'm not, I probably even shouldn't even go there. But it, 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 the, the Lord talked to me about this one time. People will say, oh, God brought me here. Oh, this ministry's changed my life. Oh, this, oh, that. Well, praise God. I mean, God did it. We thank God for it. And then after everything's back in place and everything's great, yeah, now the Lord's telling me to move, move away. How's that work? God brought you somewhere and changed your life and turned things around, and now He's going to move you away from there? Food for thought. Amen. John 5 and 19. Then Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself, but what He sees the Father do, for what things soever He does, these also the Son does likewise. So Jesus was only doing what He saw the Father doing. So whatever the Father is doing, whatever the Father desires, that's what Jesus is saying, that's what I will be doing, and that's what I desire. What he's doing, that's what I'll be doing. Right? What is God doing? What's God doing right now? What's he doing in your life? What is he saying? What does he desire? Occupy yourself with that. This is what I've got to do. We, we were at the doctor the other day for our annual physical and actually in, in Pastor Michelle's appointment and uh, the doctor was talking about something and he said, uh, he was talking about if you're going to get a certain procedure done, he said it'd be the time to do it right now in a pandemic, you know, so you'd have plenty of downtime. 
Pastor Michelle was like she was telling me, I haven't had any downtime. <laughs> Neither have I. I've been, I've been more busy in 2020 than I've been ever before. Amen. We've done more with books. We've done more with TV. We've done more with the ministry than, than ever before. Amen. Because the work of the kingdom doesn't stop. What God asks you to focus on does not ever take a back seat. Amen. So you occupy yourself with that. The call of God on your life. If, you're, if you believe you have a call of God on your life, five-fold ministry call, you need to be occupying yourself with that. What can I do to grow in what God's asked me to do every day? How can I increase my knowledge? How can I increase what I'm believing? Because at some point, the revelation you have has to go from being somebody else's revelation and it has to become your revelation. And the only way it becomes your revelation is for you to spend time letting God speak to you and get it in your heart. What did God tell you? Hallelujah. John chapter 5. You're right there. Verse 30. Notice what he says. He says, I can of my own self do nothing. Oh, wait a minute. This is Jesus? And he said, I can of my own self do nothing? Now, what does that say to all those people that say Jesus can do anything? He just said, I can of my own self do nothing. Now, you understand what I'm saying? Jesus can do anything that I'll believe him for. But he said, as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Notice, because I don't seek my own will, but the will of the one that sent me. Now, this word will is going to be very important as we move on in this message. Because he said, I don't seek my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Jesus refused to get distracted. You remember when the two brothers came to him? And the one brother said, Lord, tell my brother to give me the portion of inheritance that falls to me. And what did Jesus say? Hey, who made me a judge over you? He didn't even get involved. He started telling them about the dangers of covetousness. In other words, you're covetous. That's, that's the only reason you're wanting it. But he didn't even get involved. How easy would it have been? Evidently, the man had trust in Jesus. How easy would it have been to say, hey, give him his inheritance? He said, no, I'm not getting involved in that. There are things that we don't need to give our attention to. Not for one moment. Ah, there's all this drama going on. Don't give your attention to it. Can you fix it? Can you change it? No. Then don't give your attention to it. It's robbing you of strength that you need to believe God for something. Amen. So Jesus says two things. Number one, I can do nothing of myself. And then I don't seek my own will, but the will of the Father that sent me. Those are two things that are key to being occupied with the Father's business. I can't do this on my own. Whatever God asks you to do, you can't do it by yourself. Whatever it is. So you got, you got to ingrain that in your spirit. I can't do this on my own. That's why I'll hear people and they'll say, well, I'm a self-made man. You're a prideful man. And if you made yourself, you're built with shaky stuff. Amen. I'll deal with people and they'll say, well, this is how I've always been. I always just handle my problems. I never ask nobody for help. You're prideful. A person that won't ever ask for help is a prideful person. 
And that person is also very easily moved to do their own thing. Let me come over here where they believe me. That, that person is very easily moved to do their own thing. Why? Because I'm not going to listen to anybody else. Somebody else might say something that goes contrary to what I think. I didn't say what God told you. You see this? Amen. When did God tell you to do what you're doing? This is important. Is, is it possible that we can get involved in things that God never told us to do? If that's the case, it will distract me away from the Father's business. Amen. A person asked Keith Moore one time to get involved with something, and Brother Keith's response was, well, I'll have to ask about that. And the guy asked him, he said, you got to ask about everything? He said, everything. you got to ask about everything? Everything. Everything. Now, I'm talking about things of the Spirit. I'm talking about things that people want you to get involved with. And everything. Everything. I'll have people email me. Pastors will email me. Oh, this is a great opportunity. Why don't you get involved? What do you say? You going to help us? And my response is, well, I'll have to see. Why? Because I don't know if I need to get involved with that. Yeah, but it's a good thing. Yeah, but did God tell me to do it? If God didn't tell me to do it, then it's going to distract me. And I'll be taking time away from what God asked me to do to do what God asked them to do. Amen. To some, that's extreme. But it's crucial. To what? Staying on point with what God asks you. The Lord said to Pastor Colwell, He said, if you always do what I tell you, the devil will never be able to get in your church. If you always do what I tell you. Amen. So, would that be the same in your life? If you always do what God tells you, then the devil can't get in your life. Amen. So I'm going to be about his business and do what God told me. I remember when the Lord dealt with Pastor Michelle and I, not to just to have a ministry here, but to move here. This is what the Lord told us. And, and I went to lunch with a man that I have great respect for and, and is so precious to me. And, and he had spoken to my life much through the years. I mean, 20 26 years. We, we knew him one year after we'd gotten married. And, uh, and I wanted to let him know, this is, this is what God is asking us to do. And they immediately let me know they didn't think I was hearing from God. I knew I had heard from God. And immediately you're faced with this, okay, what do I do? But in reality, there was no what do I do. I know I heard from God. Yeah, but, you know, what if they don't talk to you? What if they don't this? Listen, my meat is to do the will of Him that sent me. 
If you spend your time trying to make sure nobody else ever misunderstands you or nobody else ever has an issue with what you're doing or the steps you're taking, you'll miss God's will. You'll miss God's will. You, you can't do that. Hallelujah. Yeah, but I respect them. There are people that I respect too. And I've had to say, but this is what God told me to do. It's that you're keeping your heart right. I don't think you're wrong or a bad person because you have an opinion, but I know what God told me. Hallelujah. And, and here's something else you've got to learn. You can't help how people feel. And you can't help how people think. Yeah, but they're going to think I'm wrong. They're going to feel like I'm... You can't help how they think or how they feel. And it's not that you're, you're careless and you don't care about how care about them as a person. But listen, this, this is an elementary statement. When God shows you His will for your life, you're not going to stand before anybody else concerning that will and whether it was fulfilled than the one that gave you that instruction. Amen. Am I helping you? What we occupy our minds and our time with should be the Father's business. This is what the Father said. Notice John 6. John 6 and 38. Whew. John 6, 38. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him that sent me. The focal point of Jesus' entire life and ministry was to do the will of the Father. This is what the Father asked. You remember the scripture, and very often Luke 14, people quote it, and they quote it out of context, where Jesus, remember He made the statement, He said, don't think I came to bring peace on the earth. I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Remember what he said? He said, because there will be a day that those, the worst enemies you have will be those of your own home. That's what he said. And he said, different relationships. Brothers will rise against brothers. Sons against fathers. Daughter-in-laws against mothers. Mother-in-laws. Well, that wasn't saying that's what's going to happen to everybody. He's saying in the context of Luke 14, take up your cross and follow me. Go after my will. And he says there's going to be some people, even people in your own family, that don't understand what you're doing and they're not going to agree with it. But you got to keep going with what I said. Jesus had to consistently say, that's not what the Father told me to do. And it's His will I'm after. Right? Amen. The word will here, I told you it's going to be important, is this. What one wishes or has determined shall be done. So Jesus said, I came down from heaven not to do what I wish or not to do what I determine should be done. But what the Father has determined should be done. Grammatically, it would be used grammatically as choice or purpose or desire or pleasure. I did not come to do my own desire, my own pleasure, what I choose, what I purpose, but the choice, the purpose, the desire, the will of the one that sent me. 
That's key in continuing in the truth. Is that I'm doing what He told me to do. Hallelujah. Are you following me? I, I knew a lady one time. And, and this was just a, a, a situation. There were two things that, that uh, she came and, and said. She made the statement, first of all, the first thing this was many years ago. She said, well, the Lord is telling me to come to Bible school, to FBIMA. I said, okay. And she didn't come. thought you said the Lord said. If you said the Lord said, then that's His will. Do, you do realize that everything stops when you're not in the will of God. Right? I mean, hear me. Out of the will of God, no blessings are coming. They're not going to fl- overtake you. Because I'm not where God has asked me to be. When God spoke to Elisha, what did he or to Elijah, what did he say? He said, "Arise and go to the brook For I have commanded the ravens there to sustain you. Where? At the brook. What if if the prophet would have said, I don't want to go to the brook. I want to go to the Jordan. No ravens coming to the Jordan. They're not coming. They're there. Then he said, after the brook dried up, he said, now rise and get you to Zarephath. For I have ordained a widow woman there. Not a, not a widow woman, a, a, a widow woman to sustain you. Right? What if he would have said, I don't want to go to Zarephath. That's where the Gentiles are. That's what that woman was, a Gentile. I don't want to go where the Gentiles are at. I want to go over here. Then you would have not read of the story of the cruise of oil or the barrel of meal. You would not have seen where the sun was raised from the dead and you probably would have heard no more of the prophet. Because his sustenance, his provision was in that city with that woman. That was the will of God for him. Amen. The famine wasn't God's will. The famine was a result of judgment. Everything going on in our world today, it is not God's will. It's the result of people opening the door to iniquity and evil, and God has no choice but to allow coals of fire to be heaped on their head because He's a God of justice. And He says, if you open the door and you want it, you'll have your fill of it. But it's not touched us. It's not wrecked our lives. Why? We're in the will of God. Stay there. Amen. Do, do you see this? Jesus' mindset was, I didn't come to do what I choose. I didn't come to do what pleases me. Now see, pride rejects this idea. Hallelujah. He came to do the Father's purpose, what the Father chose. He came to do the Father's pleasure. Notice Philippians 2. Oh, this is so good. I don't know if I can get done with all this today. I only got three pages of notes. 
Philippians 2, verse 5. Now notice, let this mind be in you. Now, I want to do something that the Lord's been really drawing my attention to recently. I want you to look at this. Uh, You know, I'll hear people say, well, the punctuation is not anointed. Well, no, it's not. But it's there for a reason. And notice what it says. Let this mind be in you, comma. Pause. That was what? Also in Christ Jesus, colon. So he's moving on. Who, comma, being in the form of God. Now this is important. I said to you some weeks ago, if you don't understand the Godhead, you can't understand the workings of God in people's lives the way that you should. Who being in the form of God. That doesn't mean he looked like God. It does not mean he had the image of God. It means he was God. Jesus was not the only begotten of the Father until he became a man. Until that point, he was God. He was God in the flesh, but he, he was referenced as the only begotten of the Father after he became a man. Now that the only begotten of the Father has ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father, a man in the Godhead, he's no longer the only begotten of the Father. He's the firstborn among many brethren, and that's us. He was in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, colon, but made himself, here's an important word, made himself of no reputation. People have often asked over the years when Jesus would do certain things. For instance, when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead and he went into the room and he went up to her and he said, Talitha Kumai, which the King James says is being interpreted, little girl arise. And she rose up and it says, watch, it says he presented her to them alive. Now, wait a minute. And then he turned to everybody there and said, see, no man know it. I just raised her from the dead. See that nobody knows it. How are you going to keep it from being known? You can't. It's impossible. Something was said in that room. Something that he was saying, don't tell anybody. Do you realize the only thing that Jesus ever told people not to tell anybody was when those two or three instances that he told them point blank, I'm the Son of God. I'm God in the flesh. You understand? He said, don't tell anybody that. Don't tell anybody. He was God in the flesh. Do, Do you see this? But notice, God in the flesh made himself of no reputation. Do you see that? And took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. The most outstanding characteristic of the ministry of Jesus Christ was not power. It was humility. The most outstanding characteristic was his humility. The most outstanding characteristic you will see in any great man or woman of God is their humility. Think about this. What did the Lord say about Moses? He was the meekest man in all the earth. What else do we see about Moses? He was the most used man of his generation. Is that right? 
to stay focused. Notice, he had to stay focused on why he was sent. That requires humility. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, or wherefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Now, why is this important? Because the exaltation of Jesus by the Father was in obedience to the will of the Father. When Jesus came and only was consumed with doing the will of the Father, it put him in a position to be highly exalted and to be given a name that's above every name. A humble person will receive more than a non-humble person, but the receiving is not what they're after. What they're after is that God's will is done in that situation. Amen. Brother Hagin used to say all the time, he would say, I, I would much rather God use somebody else. He said, I, I, I would much rather God use you than me. I don't mind just sitting back. And, and you'll see that, especially towards the end of his ministry. He had people traveling with him and re- ministering during the afternoons and ministering in the morning services. And he was ministering mainly in the evening services. He has a greater voice than he had ever had in his entire ministry. And he's giving these younger ministers, men and women, opportunity to minister the gospel in these huge Holy Ghost meetings and all faith crusades. And he's sitting back watching them, probably knows more uh, uh, about the Word of God has forgot more than they know and he's sitting there promoting them bringing them to a place of prominence and many of them you only know today because he gave them a platform amen humility a humble person will receive more than a prideful person but they'll receive it because that's not what they're after amen So Jesus received a name that's above every name by doing what? Making himself of no reputation. Because what what was his focus? Listen, it's hard on pride for a person to say, I'm not going to do what I want. I'm going to do what you want. Right? In the garden, he's dying. He's under more pressure than anyone will ever experience. And three times, what did he pray? Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Right? What was the next phrase? Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And he went to the disciples and they were asleep. He woke them up. It says in Matthew, he went back and prayed again. Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And Luke says, then angels came and ministered to him. Why did the angels come and minister to him? Because he had pulled his will under the will of the Father. He had humbled himself and said, I'm going to not only start the work, I'm going to finish the work. And then Matthew says he had to go back and wake the disciples up again. Actually, the the third time he went, he said, "Uh, sleep on (laughs) And then he says he went back and prayed the same thing. Do you see that? His will was under the Father's will to the end. Now notice this. Hallelujah. 
It says he humbled himself. That word means to be devoid of haughtiness or to have a modest opinion of yourself. Think about that for a moment. You know, I know sometimes we think of Jesus and and we think, you know, well, Jesus just had all these things ingrained in him. But the Bible says about obedience, notice what it says. It says here he became obedient to death. Now, if you got to become obedient to something, you weren't in the beginning. The Bible says that Jesus, Hebrews, what's it say? He learned obedience through the things he suffered. He learned obedience. Well, we know that that's primarily talking about the flesh man, Jesus. He had to learn this. He did not have an elevated opinion of himself. This isn't, this isn't false humility. This isn't, Jesus didn't walk around saying, oh, brother, I'm nothing. The minute you say that, we know you're prideful. Because if you got to tell people that you think you're nothing, it's evidence that you really think you're something. More often than not, humble people are known by their lack of, of, of words. Moving right along. This is why the crowds and the praise of men never moved Jesus. The Lord told Brother Hagin one time, and, and, and this was uh, uh, right before there was a, a, a dramatic miracle. They brought a young boy to a tent meeting they were having. Church was having a tent meeting. They asked Brother Hagin to come preach, and he was completely overcome by polio completely overcome by polio, and his dad wasn't born again. And uh, 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 that boy got healed. Well, you can imagine the impact it had on everything. And the Lord dealt with Brother Hagin after that, and he said, you got to keep your will consecrated to me. And he taught, that's when he told him, never touch the gold and don't touch the glory. And he said, here's why. He said, because there would be people that would pay vast sums of money to get their sick loved ones healed. And he said, if you don't keep yourself fear, uh, free from pride and greed, you'll fall into that trap. I want you to think about something for a minute. The Bible uses over and over again the crowds that Jesus drew as multitudes. The word multitude in the Greek means an innumerable amount. They couldn't count them. And in those multitudes, very often it says, and every sick person in them were healed. He couldn't have laid his hands on all those people. It says as many as touched him were healed. It says he he healed them with his word. That's power. Where did that power come from? A consecrated will to the Father. Jesus didn't have that power because he was Jesus. He had that power because he humbled himself and consecrated himself to the will of the Father. Amen. Look at John 12. John 12. We're talking about continuing in the truth. Notice what Jesus said would be a problem. John 12. Actually, I'm sorry. Go to John 5. Let's go to John 5 first. John John 12 will wait. 
Notice where it says, verse 44. It says, how can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that comes from God only? So there is an honor that only comes from God. And Jesus said, you're going to have a hard time believing as long as the praise of men and honor from people is the most important thing to you. Amen. Look over in James 4. Oh, hallelujah. James 4 and 10. Notice what he says. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. So notice he says, humility is a choice. I choose to humble myself. To be successful in what God has asked, humility has to be at the core. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I taking the steps I'm taking? I I had a young man one time that asked me to be on his board. He was starting a church, and I knew his... His mother-in-law and father-in-law, they were ministers. And, and I think I, I really did it more for them than, than necessarily for him. I, I loved him. But uh, uh, I remember meeting with him. And uh, he had his, uh, if you would call it business plan or whatever it was. And we sat down and I, and I realized from the very beginning, this is way too ambitious. And I wasn't trying to put a damper on what he was doing. But I mean, he had the... He had the idea that he was going to plant this church there in the city and and a year later he was going to plant another church and then every year after that they were going to plant five churches a year. And I just looked at him and I said, "Uh, this is way too ambitious. I said, because in a year you're not even going to have your church on a solid foundation. I mean, you're starting from jump start. You're starting from nothing. It's going to take you some time. Well, I could see right away that pride rose up. Well, you don't think I can do it. It has nothing to do with not thinking much of you. It has something to do with you've asked me as a spiritual man to be on your board, and I'm telling you, you can't do this and do it right. Pride tells somebody just go do something without concerning yourself with how it's going to affect the people that you're doing it with. A church is not built around the minister. A church is built around Jesus Christ and the Word, and the minister is the vessel that God uses to to, to bring it out. The Lord told me one time, He said, your churches will not be successful because you're there. They'll be successful because I'm there. Now, it's important that the pastor's there, and you understand the gift of the pastor to the church. You've got to magnify your own office. But you have to understand what I'm saying. When, when, you, be, when you begin to think that, well, this is my idea, and this is my plan, and this is what I'm going to do, and I'll, I'll, I'll do this, and I'll do that, you've you, you got to watch that. Because James said, you've got to humble yourself. Right? 
If there's five people in a church, it's not because I'm there, it's because God's there. If God's done anything for you in this church, God did it, God did it, God did it, God did it. God might have used me or my wife or someone else to get it to you, but God did it. Why? Because I can of my own self do nothing. Do, do you understand? Hallelujah. He said, if I do that, He'll lift me up. So what's more important, that someone lifts me up or God lifts me up? When God lifts you up, everybody will see that God did it. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Look, 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 look at uh, uh, 1 Peter 5. I'm almost done. I want you to see this. This has to do with continuing in the truth. You know, sin is the ultimate form of pride. And we're not going to talk about that, but I'm going to do what I want. I don't care what God says. I'm going to live my life my way. Well, that's the ultimate form of pride. When, when Lucifer looked at himself, he forgot there was somebody that created him that way. But he looked in the mirror, if you will, I don't know that he did, but for the sake of teaching, he looked in the mirror and he thought, whew, you are hot. You are good looking. I mean, look at your tab rays. Look at, man, whoo, who in the realm of God has flowing locks like I have or whatever. Listen to the way I can sing. Listen to what I can do. Look at my wisdom. And the Bible says he was perfect in wisdom. But watch, in the day that you were created. You know what keeps you humble? Ever how great I am? If God hadn't given me breath, nobody would even know. That's what he forgot. As great as I am. As perfect in wisdom as I am, as wonderful as I am created, somebody created me. And the creator is always greater than the creation. And that's what Romans 7 says. It says that their minds were darkened, their foolish minds were darkened, and that they begin to worship the creation more than the creator. And that God eventually gave them over to a reprobate mind to do whatever they wanted to do. A mind void of judgment. When a person gets lifted up with pride, they can no longer rightly discern what they should be doing. Amen. When, when a person gets lifted up with pride, it's no longer, Lord, what did you say? What did God say? It's this is what I think I need to do and this is what I'm going to do and I just got to handle my business. Right? Instead of God, what do you want me to do? Look at 1 Peter 5, verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. My Lord. Now that doesn't mean, now you've got to understand something. He's not saying just submit yourself to somebody because they're old. He's talking to brothers and sisters in the faith. And he's talking to people that have lived for God a long time. 
And he's saying, you younger brothers and sisters, you need to submit yourself to these people that have lived for God for a long time and done it well. The people you submit to and the people you follow are people that are accomplishing what you see should be accomplished. Well, Pastor, but no, no, no. Job said this. He said, all old men have not wisdom. Everybody doesn't have wisdom just because they've lived a long time. You can live a long time stupid. Right? <laughs> Present company excluded. But, but the point is, is what he's saying, notice, he's talking about humility. Every younger person, I, and when I say younger, I'm not talking about students or young adults or millennials. I'm talking every person at whatever age you're at, you can always learn if you're willing to submit. And submission takes humility. Look back over our, our nation. I got five minutes, I'm watching. Look back over our nation. When did a lot of upheaval start? When, when all this stuff started. Look, I'm a woman. I don't have to submit to nobody. I am on the same level as that man. Well, you know, that's in the Bible it says there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, but the Bible has outlined some ways of doing things that provide security. You know, the Bible doesn't just tell the wife to submit to the husband. It says to submit to each other in love. But when you get outside of what God set up and the way God set it up, that becomes pride. I'm not going to take my husband's name. I'm going to keep my name. I am my own person. Well, that, that flies in the face of God. The Bible says that when you get married, you're no longer two, but you're one. I take great pleasure in saying this is Mrs. Philip Steele. And she don't mind. She signs my name regularly to checks and other things. And it's not because that's my money and she's taking my money. That's our money. Everything we have is ours. Our house, our cars, our things. But there's a divine mandate. There's a divine system that's placed there. And it says, if you will submit yourself and humble yourself, I'll bless your marriage. I'll bless your family. I'll bless everything you do because I want to deal with the head of your home. I want to talk to him. And if you'll submit and know that I'm talking to him, I'll bless you like you've never been blessed before. But when all that unrest started, we're not going to do this. And we're, we're our own person. Until now today, they're, they're teaching children. You don't have to do everything your parents tell you. You're your own person. You can do whatever you want. Well, they can and wind up in a bunch of trouble. <laughs> Amen. But the Bible says that Jesus, in that passage in Luke, it says Jesus went back home with his parents and submitted himself to them. Is that right? Submit yourselves to the elder. All of you be subject one to another. So that means there's no pride coming from people that say, well, I've been doing this a lot longer than you. No, it says submit yourself to each other. Is that right? Length of time saved does not mean you have more wisdom than anybody else. 
Because you can be saved 50 years and be a baby. You can be saved six months and be more mature than some people have been saved 20 years. That's not always the case. But my, my point in saying that is the Bible says there's room for submission in everybody. What's that require? Humility. Amen. And be clothed with humility. Why be clothed with humility? Because God resists the proud. The best, the best way to describe that is God keeps the proud at arm's length. But what does He do? He giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, in the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Hallelujah. Uh, who gets grace? The who? The humble. So the grace, this grace is not only grace where salvation is concerned. It's grace to do what God's asked of us. So who gets that grace? The humble. Who gets that grace? The humble. Those that will continue in what God said. Amen. Who did every good thing that's happened in our lives come from? What's that? Who saved us? Who healed us? Who? Who gets the glory? God gets the glory. Right? That's being humble. The result of true humility and submission to the Father's desire is what? That we be exalted. Humble yourselves and He will exalt you. He will exalt you. The word exalt, it means to be raised to the very summit of opulence and prosperity. Raised to dignity, honor, and happiness. Notice, that's what so many people want and they think the way to do it is to promote their own selves. And God says, humble yourself and I'll do that for you. Amen. Do you see that? That's the honor that comes only from the Father. Only from the will of the Father. I'll close with this. I've told people over the years. I had a young man one time that was constantly asking me, how do I, how do I move into all that God wants me to do? And I'd say, brother, just be faithful where you're at. No substitute for faithfulness. To be faithful means that I have to submit my will to the will of another. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Continuing in the truth, that requires humility. What I've learned, not being moved away from it. What God has said to me, keeping that as my focus. What did God tell us? I ask my wife that question all the time. Somebody will say, well, let's do this. I'll say, well, what did God tell us? Why is that important? Keeps me, keeps me in a place of humility. What did God say? God has, God has the last word and the first word and the middle word. Got every word. <laughs> He's got them all. Amen? I believe God. I believe God. Do, do, do you see that? And that, that will keep you safe. The Lord said to me one time, He said, the atmosphere of revelation is humility. The atmosphere of revelation is humility. 
If you want that atmosphere of revelation flowing in your life, you have to consistently operate in humility. Amen. That's, that's so important. I remember as I'm closing, go ahead and stand up, please. I, uh, one time, <laughs> I had been asked to come speak at a, a certain gathering, and, and uh, it was one of those gatherings that, that they had uh, some people on the, the, the program, if you will, and, and I was supposed to, they, they had me slated, I think, for 45 minutes. And well, I got there, and, and, uh, and the first guy, well, he went over five minutes or 10. And they came to me, and they said, well, uh, uh, it's 45 now. Now can you, can, you, can you get done in 35? Yeah. Well, the second guy, he went over 15 minutes. So they came and said, can you, can you do it in 20? Well, then there's another guy, and he took the 20. Now, people say, why does that matter? It's pride. I know there are other people supposed to speak, but I'm just going to take all their time because what I have to say is obviously more important than what they have to say. Jesus said this, my family. He said, when somebody invites you somewhere, he said, don't go look for the best seat. Don't look for the best room. He said, because here's what will happen. He said, they'll come in front of everybody and ask you to move and give that seat to somebody else. He said, go and sit in the back. And he said, because it's better for them to come to the back of the room and pull you up front than it is for them to move you from the front to the back. If you just keep doing what God told you to do, you don't got to promote yourself. You don't have anything to prove to anybody. You just stay on, you stay on your face before God and you let Him know what you want me to do is the most important thing in the world and God will exalt you.